Welcome to the Antioch Initiative podcast, a podcast about the unreached and topics related to giving them access to the good news of Jesus. Hi, this is Nick with the Antioch Initiative podcast. And today I have the privilege of talking with Dr. Greg Mundus, who is the executive director of Assemblies of God World Missions. Greg, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Nick. Appreciate being uh, uh, here on the show with you. Well, it's, it's indeed an honor to have you with us. And I, I, but some of our listeners, even though you are the executive director of the Assemblies of God World Mission, some of the, our listeners may not know some of your story. Uh, you've been the executive director now for about 10 years, almost uh, this August, it'll be 10 years. But would you mind sharing with our listeners some of your uh, history and mission, some of uh, your story of how you came to be where you are serving right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, my wife and I received a, a call to go overseas to the country of Austria in uh, June 1977. Uh, shortly thereafter, we made application with uh, Assemblies God World Missions, uh, landed in Austria, in Salzburg, Austria, and ministered there five years, and then moved to Vienna and ministered there 13 years. Part of our ministry was uh, working with the National Church, preaching, holding seminars, uh, teaching in the Bible school in Germany. Also, we were heavily involved in media, television ministry, uh, which caused a lot of travel for me up to Sweden and uh, Denmark uh, during those years. And uh, during those years, 1989, uh, maybe some of your audience will remember that's when the Berlin Wall came down. And so right. I, uh, it, uh, we, had to, uh, we had to pivot in world missions in regard to how we were going to approach uh, the opening of the Soviet Union in Eastern Europe. And so I was appointed as area director for Austria, Czech, Slovakia, Hungary, and Poland in 1991. Served in that position until 1998, when I was appointed to serve as the Europe regional director, which encompassed at that time uh, all the way from Greenland, uh, across Scandinavian countries, down to Greece and everything in between in wow. Europe. And then, as you shared, in 2011, was elected to this post. Wonderful. Well, and we're so glad to have you as our leader in the organization. Uh, about a year ago, though, you went through a very difficult season uh, during COVID. Uh, would you mind sharing us a little bit of what what happened and how, and how God brought you through? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you some highlights. Of course, it's a long story, but uh, I'll I'll just give you the highlights. I was. Admitted to the hospital on March, Monday, March the 16th, 2020, I was breathing about 60 times a minute, gasping for air, uh, went into uh, emergency room. I was immediately uh, uh, intubated and sedated and intubated because I was infected with this deadly virus. I had pulmonary failure, blood clots in arms and legs, cardiac complications, that developed as I was in the hospital because of experimental medications, bed sores, gastrointestinal infection, urinary tract infection, bilateral secondary pneumonia, acute respiratory distress syndrome, acute kidney failure, fungemia, which is fungal infection of the blood, sepsis, which is the effect of infection overwhelming the body's immune system, went on dialysis, tracheostomy, and when I started waking up, I had post-sedation delirium which my wife one year later says I still have a little bit of. <laughs> but uh, I was in the hospital sedated uh, on the ventilator for 34 days. I was and in the day, uh, during that time I was transported to St. Louis because they weren't sure that they could save me here. 
was uh, up there just about three weeks, uh, then came back to Springfield, was in the hospital in isolation for an additional 26 days. And then after that, I was about two months in rehab, learning to use my hands, my feet, getting adjusted to normal life again, and uh, was able, with the help of the Lord and the grace of God and uh, therapists and our medical community, uh, uh, really able to come back full. I'm, I'm, I would say 99.9% uh, where I was pre-COVID and all to the glory of God. Praise God. That's just, that's a quick highlight. That's a 30,000 foot view. <laughs> yeah, that's there. There's so much. Yeah, so much there. And so many of us who are praying and, and, and just crying out to God and, and God answered on 99.9%. Praise God. And uh, I, I'm believing that God's continuing to work in your body. Thank you, Nick. I have to say to you and to the audience that I'm so deeply grateful for your prayers. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses eight through 11, Paul talks about a difficult time he had in Asia. He despaired of life. He thought he was going to die, but God delivered him. And this all happened so he could depend more on God. And he said, uh, I am where I am because of the prayers of many. And I know that many people prayed for me and for my wife. And from the bottom of our hearts, we say, thank you. Amen. Wow. Well, we're glory be to God. That's an amazing testimony. And uh, we just praise God for his deliverance and his healing. Well, I we're talking today to uh, missionaries, talking to students, talking to believers um, around the world that have a heart for missions. And when you came into your office about 10 years ago, you had three different priorities that you mentioned. And you mentioned that you had a uh, there was a priority for the persecuted church, for partnerships with national churches and for the unreached. And I wanted to ask you today about uh, that priority of the unreached, because at the Antioch Initiative, that is, in a sense, our priority. That's what we always are talking about is helping people to have access to the gospel, uh, those who are unreached with the gospel. And so I want to ask you, well, what does HWM mean by the word unreached? Okay, we, uh, you know, we, as we... Uh as we developed along with the evangelical community uh, throughout the world, uh, it seemed that um, unreach was not a part of our vocabulary uh, as uh, the Assemblies of God. And uh, uh, even though uh, it was a part of the missiological evangelical community uh, uh, dialogue and verbiage. So one of my, uh, one of my heart uh, issues was is that Oh, we would uh, we would get on the train, so to speak, and help uh, help our constituency understand that the that uh, the unreached of the world represent a community of people, uh, a people group, maybe common language, common geography, common culture. Uh, they could be spread out, but they still have some these priority commonalities in uh, in uh, uh, together. Right. So. Uh, uh, we kind of uh, adopted uh, along with a lot of the evangelical community and Pentecostal community that if you in a people group, no matter what size, if it's 10 people or uh, 100 million people, if you have less than uh, 2% of your uh, group or population that are not born again, uh, we consider that unreached. And so uh, for us, as we looked around the world, looked to Joshua Project and other ministries that helped us in regard to understanding that, uh, we we kind of more or less adopted that uh, that kind of definition. 
What we've moved to also, Nick, it would may be interesting to, to your listeners is sure. we're talking about never reached. Right. As well, OK, because there are islands and there are pockets of communities uh, uh, around the world. I would say a whole lot in Asia Pacific and in, in, sure. in the island nations and stuff that have never had a missionary, never had a, a global worker, never had anybody to come and share the gospel with them. And they haven't heard it on the radio or seen a Bible or, you know, any of the means of communication that we can have. So we talk about the unreached and believe me, there are plenty of them in the world, but uh, there are also those that have really for generations and maybe even thousands of years that have never been reached. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Jeff Hartenfeld has talked to us about that. Some and I, it, yeah, it's a great need never reached and unreached. Um, why do you feel like we should prioritize? That was one of the, you know, you, place that as a priority. Why did you feel that should be a priority? For me, uh, Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 is the driving uh, spirit behind that. Sure. Because the scripture says that every tribe, every tongue is going to be represented around the throne of God. Right. And for that to happen, uh, God has given us the great commission to go into all the world and not only to the incon or not only to the convenient places, but to the inconvenient places not only to the safe places, but to the risky places. And so for us, uh, it, it became very clear that uh, we, have to, we have to do our part as a mission sending organization in the stewarding uh, of what our forefathers uh, prophesied in 1914, that God would raise up the greatest tool of evangelism for Jesus that the world has ever seen. Amen. And with uh, just about 70, 71 million constituents around the world, we see that that prophecy is is coming into uh, fulfillment. But we have so much more to do, Nick. I, I was just looking down a list. If you wouldn't mind, I was looking at Africa. They have 867 unreached people groups. Wow. Asia Pacific has 1,132. Uh, Eurasia has 5,436. Europe has 1,161, LAC has 648, and Northern Asia has 472. That's over 9,000 groups that need to be reached. And when you talk about percentages of the population, just because we focused on the unreached doesn't mean that uh, the rest of the population is reached. Right. So uh, Africa, 82% of Africa is lost. And that mm -hmm. kind of blows people's mind because it, we all talk about what God's doing in Africa or Latin America. 82% of Latin America has not been reached. Wow. And Asia Pacific, 95% lost. Eurasia, 99. Europe, 97. Northern Asia, 92%. So, you know, we can never pat ourselves on the back for doing what we do. It's like the servant that comes in and, and uh, says, Hey, I did the job. And the master says, Hey, you did what you were supposed to do. <laughs> right. So, you know, I always think of the words of one of our former executive directors that just uh, has been imprinted in my spirit, in my heart and in my mind, you don't measure yourself by your success. You measure yourself against the unfinished task. And, <laughs> My heart bleeds and breaks every time I wake up every morning and I pray over these groups that I just shared with you. It just breaks. Man, wow. And yeah. I, and I pray, God, we need workers. We need workers, Lord. I need prayer intercessors. I need givers just for our stewardship part in the kingdom. 
so yeah, it's a, uh, it's heavy. It's heavy. Amen. Wow. Yeah, it is. Uh, people matter to God and it's wow. Um, what, um, what has AGWM done that you, uh, you know, over the past, uh, 10 years or so just to, to demonstrate, you know, it's a priority, the unreached, uh, those who haven't had access, what has AGWM done specifically just to, to begin to address that specifically? Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, we began praying, uh, very specifically, uh, Particularly, I have to give uh, uh, a commendation to our regional directors, our area directors, and the missionaries God has been calling over the past uh, 10 years. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, even more than that, I just, you know, just uh, even longer than that, that the, uh, the Lord calling into the harvest fields of the world, number one, but number one, that really concerted prayer that we pray. Secondly, we established an unreached people fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's a fund where we can help uh, missionaries going to the unreached of the world, uh, give them a boost in their uh, raising of support or in a project uh, uh, that they need so that we can have access into uh, unreached uh, areas uh, of the world. Third, we create a business as mission. Uh, business as mission uh, helps open the doors in with legitimate uh, uh business is going on, but with the heart to reach people with the gospel so that we can get visas, resident visas in countries, in some of these countries that are not necessarily open for a global worker uh, or a missionary. And fourth, uh, I think we've just given the freedom uh, to all of our staff and missionaries to talk about the unreached and to talk about the need in the world. So, uh, amongst these people. So I think there's, uh, I think those four things combined, uh, intertwined has helped us, uh, raise the level and raise the bar where, uh, probably at this point, a good third or more of our, uh, total, uh, workers around the world would be in countries that would be considered, uh, or working in people groups that are considered unreached. Amen. Amen. That's, that's much higher than um, missions world in general, actually, uh, you know, and so praise God for that, that progress. And um, um, wow. Would you uh, share with us some, some, maybe some specific wins uh, of you, you know, these are great initiatives that you just shared that steps that have been taken, but maybe some things that have happened that um, where God has given some breakthroughs in, in recent years. Yeah. I, you know, obviously naming a country would be difficult or, uh, uh, a global worker, but you know, just in general, let me say that in the the Middle East, we have, uh, you know, we're under the direction of our regional director Omar and uh, area directors like, uh, you know, Kevin, Kevin, and uh, and uh, and others, sure. that uh, they have uh, really, really uh, uh, stepped up uh, with a program out of uh, Africa called Live Dead. And Live Dead is uh, putting church planning teams in uh, unreached contexts. And so, uh, you know, uh, the numbers fail me right now, Nick, but uh, we have uh, we have really, I, I think, about like maybe 50 to 70 teams across the mi- Middle East and North Africa that are engaged in planting the church. I visited some of those teams, some of them in very hostile environments. Uh, but 
uh, the call of God on their lives. And I'm, I'm just amazed by young families uh, that feel these uh, feel this call of God and, and, and go into these environments to share the gospel. Uh, I think about a global worker in, in one very, very difficult place to be uh, in the world that is just is just knocking it out of the park with uh, with uh, uh, witnessing and sharing all legitimately in the sense that uh, he's there on a, uh, and they're there on a legitimate visa. And, you know, just one quick story, a generic story that in the capital of one of these uh, countries that has, uh, you know, a dominant anti uh, anti Christian religion. Uh, uh, we get a uh, we get a letter from the man in prison that was turned in by his family, and this is like at the heart of this religion. I mean, at the very center of this religion, and he's in prison. And, and our worker uh, wrote and and uh, just to write an encouragement. And this man wrote a letter back, and I, I I can't quote it, but I can give you the essence of it. He wrote back and he pronounced the blessing. First of all, remember he's in prison. He's been turned in by his family. But he pronounced the blessing over the brother that wrote him and said, you know, I, I pray for God's blessing and favor on you. And then uh, he goes on to say that he's, uh, uh, you know, he's at peace uh, and that he's praying for the church and he's praying for believers around the world that are praying for him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, your heart is just wrenched because here he is sitting in a prison cell, probably not very accommodating. Sure. And, uh not only is he being prayed for, but he's praying for the uh, for the body of Christ around the world that is lifting him up in prayer. And then he goes on to say, and I'm believing uh, that one day we will hear the sound of church bells uh, across all of the cities in my country. And even at the center of the religion uh, the uh, of this uh, country, uh, in the capital of it, that we're going to we're going to see the church of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, you know, stuff like that blows me away. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Wow. Praise God for what he's doing. And um, just curious if you, um, you know, God is doing some great things. And um, just curious, what what, do you, what would you say if uh, to, I don't know, to the church at large uh, and just to missions, uh, missionaries, what, what do you feel like we still need to do to see those who are unreached reach with the gospel, other things that, uh, I don't know, God has put in your heart recently or just things that we need to continue doing uh, yeah. to see the unreached come to Christ. Right. Well, I think we, we, we constantly need to remind ourselves that no matter what ministry we're in, for instance, here I am uh, in Springfield, Missouri in a ministry. Okay. Sure. But my heart and my head and my prayer, my intercessory life needs to be aware that I may be comfortable in a nice office in a nice city in the United, in the middle of the United States, but my brothers and sisters around the world uh, need prayer support. They need financial support. Uh, and then uh, I pray constantly for workers uh, to go into the harvest fields of the world. So no matter whether we're, uh, you know, where we are, I think we need to keep that awareness and that passion yeah. that Jesus had to reach the lost, you know, uh, you know, even if you have 99 in the fold, what do you do? You go after the one that's lost. Right. And um, I think we can never we can never uh, allow that to become uh, damp or dampened in our spirit. 
there's got to be a constant burning. And I, and I think um, my encouragement would be to all believers, uh, uh, number one, keep the fire and the passion burning for the lost, Amen. whether it be a neighbor or uh, a friend, a family member, but even beyond that, look to their horizon and, and, and remember that you may have it good and that you may be able to go to church and have a Bible and turn on TV and see an evangelist or listen on the radio or listen to a podcast that so many people in the world don't have access. They just don't have access. And uh, Jesus gave us a model, and that's an incarnational model. That's why global workers, missionaries are so important, uh, that the call of God, that we be sensitive to the call of God. And uh, that, you know, just because, just because you're aware doesn't mean you're called. But if you aren't aware, then you probably won't be called. <laughs> so, so I'm just asking that the awareness that we that we as uh, believers in Christ Jesus in the Word of God and His Great Commission keep in front of us the awareness uh, that the world needs Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, as we conclude, um, would you please share um, maybe some kind of encouraging word or testimony or something that you that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd be glad to, Nick. Well, my mind is racing uh, uh, around the world. <laughs> you know, they say the world is a global village, and I say, get on an airplane and try to go to Southeast Asia and tell me it's a global village. <laughs> but uh, there is a um, uh, there's uh, there's a work in a country in Asia Pacific where uh, one of our global workers. Uh, it's uh, I can say it's in a Buddhist context. And Nick, I'll just tell you recently, as recently as last year, as I was coming out of COVID, the Lord, as clearly as I'm talking to you, spoke to me and said that uh, Assemblies of God World Missions has to put greater emphasis on uh, Buddhism and Hinduism. Amen. Um, um, my passion and that fire has turned into a, a very mighty flame that we have got to, uh, we've got to establish beachheads uh, amongst these people groups. They're, and, and they're so contrary to, to Christianity, you know, in, in their worldview and, and how, they, how they understand religion and, and, and even the concept of a God, you know, is so foreign to them. Sure. Oh, uh, 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 a mono, uh, monotheistic religion is just so foreign to them. But anyhow, in one of these contexts, uh, we're uh, we're hearing a great uh, great story of a brother that um, uh, is outside of the capital city, and there is like a train, you know, like one of these bullet trains mm -hmm. that uh, shoots from the capital city out into the suburbs, and there are ten stops on this uh, on this uh, route uh, to uh, to this uh, location outside the city. And so uh, this brother and his family are establishing a community of faith in that, in that like that 10th uh, stop there. And uh, we're just, uh, just closing the deal on, uh, on getting a building, and he's opening up uh, a church and a training center because along every one of those 10 stops, he wants to establish uh, a community of believers, whether it be a house church or a, that turns into a church. But the vision is absolutely incredible. And the communication and the transportation is there to see this accomplished, but we need workers. Yes. And uh, he wants workers from his culture, from that country, but he, we also need workers from the United States to help boost this thing. 
and that's how I see that's how I see us as a, as a mission that you know uh, to to come alongside and accelerate the spread of the gospel. Uh, if there's a national church there, to accelerate it. If it's uh, if there's no national church there, to initiate it. That's why partnership is very important to me as well. Is because we're not in this alone, but we need to partner with other organizations as well as as the Lord uh, helps us. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's really encouraging. Definitely, um, there's a great need among the Buddhist and Hindu world, and exciting to see your, hear your heart for that. And um, um, yeah, may God bless that. And I appreciate your sharing with us today. Uh, just. Uh, in hearing from your heart and uh, thank you for investing uh, your time and for, um, you know, for giving us a lot of insights. And uh, Nick, thank you. And the Antioch initiative and your work there at North central, very invaluable. Uh, we deeply appreciate it. Deeply appreciate your family as well. Uh, appreciate the leadership at North central and the partnership that we have with them uh, in the Antioch in initiative. And we'll just keep praying, and uh, we're believing that God will touch uh, students' hearts uh, to give their lives for the gospel uh, where the Lord calls them anywhere in the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to another amazing episode of the Antioch Initiative podcast. We encourage you to follow us on whatever podcasting platforms you use the most. Feel free to check out our social medias to stay updated on all future content.